Welcome to episode 13 of 514 Beltway to Bytown podcast. My name is Jeff, and with me is my longtime friend Todd. This podcast is recorded remotely, with me being in D.C. and Todd in Canada's capital city of Ottawa. Remember, everything we say could be fact or fiction. What's up for tonight, Todd? Everywhere around the world, <laughs> they're coming to America today. Happy Fourth of July, buddy. Happy yes, sir. Fourth of July. <laughs> had to get, had to kick it off with some Neil Diamond, man. I it was <laughs> okay, so tonight, these are unique times. Face it, folks. Some of you are stretched financially. Many have maybe lost your job or furloughed unexpectedly. It sucks. Maybe even hurts. Maybe even embarrassing. Maybe even carried a little bit of debt over into COVID. Now it's even made worse. Right now, folks, if you can't, you want to stretch a buck. You need some tips to manage your money. No, I'm not Jim Palmer, and this is not a shameless plug for the money store. <laughs> Tonight, we have another native Montrealer from the south, south Shore of Montreal. Jeff and I coached him playing football growing up, Gary Russin. Gary has moved on, and he is now a financial educator with the Credit Counseling Society of Canada. Gary's a down-to-earth guy, a real renaissance man, but he's got a wealth of knowledge about managing debt. So we're going to pick his brain on all things financial education, but just also get his thoughts on his favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. And uh, some of their draft, interesting draft moves. And uh, he's going to talk a little Hamilton with us as well. Gary, right on, how are you doing? Gary. How's everyone doing? Good. Good. Doing great, man. Doing great. Well, I'm anxious Excellent. to get this one going. So before we get into all the money talk, let's talk, you know, let's go way back. You know, you live in <laughs> Ottawa now. You're originally from Montreal, Greenfield Park. Talk yes. to me about growing up in the park, playing for the Packers, and especially playing for the great George Miller. Wow. Uh, it, it, basically, where do I start? Um, <laughs> growing up in the park, uh, I, I wrote a few things down and really I started out, you know, it's kind of funny. I started out in St. Hubert and trying to get that release, that coveted release <laughs> right. to go play for the Packers. And of course, never got that. Um, so instead, I decided to uh, use my dad's address since they were divorced, my parents, and uh, played uh, for St. Bruno actually before going on to the Packers and uh, why I decided to go there was uh, I broke my collarbone actually playing the Packers. And uh, so I decided, you know what, if I can't beat them, I might as well join them. Good decision. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> so uh, yeah, made that transition over and uh, you know, growing up at Griffith Park, um, it, it was great because we had that sense of community, um, you know, especially with the Packers, we were a family. Mm -hmm. uh, we never really, did without, you know, everyone knew uh, everyone and we all helped each other. And that's where George really came in is that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's somewhat tough for me to say, but he really was like a dad. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he was like that dad to a lot of guys. Um, he never turned his back on anyone. He always did his absolute best to make sure that somebody was playing football somewhere and money never got involved, uh, got in the way. Um, nothing like that. He always made sure to get us there, get us at practice. Uh, there was even times where we needed jobs and George came through and helped us out, used his connection. So yeah, it's, it's, it's almost endless to talk about that, man. Yeah. Everybody's got a George Miller story. Well, said. well, and countless, man. Yeah. Countless. The, the other thing too, is, you know, knowing George and, and, you know, from up above, he's swearing like up a storm <laughs> at us right now. Um, you know, and, and every second word was, you know, whatever he'd like to choose that day. But 
we we know George that way too, where every second word was a swear word. Absolutely, absolutely. So, sign of affection. Yeah, sign of affection. A real absolutely. Man. A real yeah. Man. Now, now, Gary, I didn't realize Todd coached you as well. So you had yes. myself and Todd as coaches. Compare and contrast the two offensive line coaches. I can't do that. <laughs> but but to be smart answer. But but to be honest, Todd, sorry, but Jeff has it hands down. <laughs> there, there was there, there was times growing up with Jeff and his coaching style that uh, you know every Friday before a game uh, there was a note that went to school that got me out of school early. So you know you, there you, go. you never did that for me. So all right, moving on. <laughs> so when did you when did you migrate from the South Shore of Montreal to Ottawa? What year did you kind of uh, move? What brought you there? Yeah, I moved to Ottawa in two thousand seven. Um, and really it was just, uh, more experience uh, or more, more opportunities in Ottawa. Um, okay. I felt that, uh, I needed to get away, uh, really. And, uh, my now wife at that time, girlfriend, she, you know, was on board and we both came at the same time. Okay. Right on. So you looking at your background, you studied sports and leisure studies in university in Concordia. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how does yeah. one evolve from sports and leisure studies in Concordia to, to working primarily in financial education? Like what, what took you down that road? Well, to, to be quite honest with you, you know, um, being in financial world right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my background really doesn't have, um, like the education side, but I have the experience, um, having the education, really the education was that I really wanted to teach, um, I really wanted to work in a school, that kind of thing. And obviously in sports, but like I said, once I moved to Ottawa, um, just cup, my first job was really in the financial world and, and I just started learning and it was like, um, my calling card really, um, you know, to really get into the finance. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed helping people. That was the big thing. Um, you know, not turning people away. Yeah. When I first started out, I was selling loans at 35% over the phone. <laughs> but you know okay. it, in the long run i still like to say that i was helping them um <laughs> you're like schwarzenegger and terminator 2 there you, you came full circle or what <laughs> oh absolutely you know and the, the funny thing is now coming full circle working at the credit counseling society i'm now seeing the same clients that i served selling their loans at 35 percent they're coming to see me now and i'm helping them in a different way so <laughs> So tell us a little bit about the Credit Counseling Society. What's his raison d'etre? Like what, you know, I mean, the name, the name, yeah. I think I have an idea of what you guys do and how you help people out, but what do you guys do specifically? So the Credit Counseling Society is a, a nonprofit charity. Um, we've been around since 96. Most of our operation is out in Vancouver. Uh, we are across the country in Canada nationally, and we're basically three-tiered. We do education, which is myself, going out into the public, teaching financial literacy, teaching that financial education to really whoever wants to listen, but mainly schools, employers, employees, uh, that kind of thing. But also we do the credit counseling side of it and the budgeting side of it. So okay. when we do the, yeah. So the budget counseling, like really the budget counseling is, you know, anyone can come see us and we do budget counseling. Like we could sit down with accredited counselor and go through a budget and we don't even charge for that like all of that is completely free. Like it's something that we just feel that we need to do. And then the credit counseling side of thing is we act as that middleman. Uh, we're, we're between the banks and bankruptcy 
basically. So if the bank can't help you anymore, you think that you have to go bankrupt or consumer proposal, but there's actually somebody like us in between that can help you with your debt. And really how that works is uh, we would basically act as the middleman for you. You would make the payments to us. We then disperse those payments to the creditors, a percentage, obviously, to the creditors. And 100% of the debt is paid back. And in return, the creditors reduce their interest rate to zero. Right on. So yeah. what type of demographic are you working with, Gary? Like, the, who are the people coming to yours? Is it, a, is it a, a wide spectrum of society or is it mostly young people and we arrive Canadians, uh, older people? Like, what, what, what makes up a demographic? Yeah, so our number one demographic right now is the 55 plus um, that are coming wow. to see us right now. Mm. And the main reason for that is they, they just don't have the money to retire. Um, you know, they've been spending, spending, spending. We started doing some research on it, trying to figure out why. Why are the 55 plus have no money? And it's because they're having kids later in life and the kids are actually leaving home later or they're coming back home. And the parents are always there to help them bail, like bail them out, really. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Xbox. Thanks, right. Xbox. You just made. <laughs> yeah. So let me oh. ask Gary. Obviously, with COVID nineteen, yeah. it's a huge issue in the states. You know, I'm asking from an American to a to a Canadian right now. Have you seen yeah. a huge uptake in financial problems amid all of this? Right now, no, we haven't. We haven't really seen any uptake. People are still trying to make at least their minimum payments mm -hmm. um, to us and to the credit cards. Um, so no, we're not seeing it right now, but we're, we as an organization, we're really starting to prep for September. Um, we're anticipating that September is going to be, basically everything is going to go nuts. Um, CERB, which is the, um, the, the, basically the financial help here, um, that's going to come to an end because mm -hmm. they extended it for an extra eight weeks. So that comes to an end in September. And then all the mortgage deferrals will come to an end in September as well. You know, so, that, that you talk mortgage deferrals and it sounds like a good thing, but come September, you owe three, four months of mortgage, right? In one shot. Yeah. And that depends on the provider that you're dealing with. Some right. will, you know, some mortgages will be like, okay, well now you have to pay us for all wow. the back months and catch yourself up. And then there's others where it's like, no problem. What we've done is we've extended it. Mm -hmm. So now instead of your mortgage ending in 25 years, it's going to end in 25 years and six months, let's say. That's so a you take all those factors, yeah. like all those factors you mentioned, plus double digit unemployment, it's the perfect storm, right? Like you can see where oh, this is going. Absolutely. Right? So the services, the services that you folks do, like that's hyper salient right now, like really important. So I think, uh, would you say there's a, like on your, on the pe people you've encountered over the years, Gary, do you think there's a generalized, a generalized lack of financial education in most people? hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that's why at least here in Ottawa and, and really across the country, we're really trying to push putting the financial literacy in schools. Um, Ontario really did put financial literacy, um, at least the subtitle in this, in the school system, it was there. Um, but I do go into high schools. I do teach the financial literacy and, and really, it's, it's not like I'm going in and telling them, okay, this is what, you know, a credit card is and compounding interest and all that stuff. It's really, I'm teaching them how, how expensive a credit card mm -hmm. is and how much interest actually costs. But then I'm actually going down to basics and saying, okay, you want to move out from your parents' house? And everyone is like, yeah, of course. It's like, okay, well, how much is rent? How much is food? Yeah. How much is, you know, and then the, it, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah. 
I didn't realize that. Oh, don't forget internet. And, and what about your cell phone? You know, so all of them, especially with the students, grade 10 and up or secondary four and up tend to like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. And I didn't think of this. And, um, a, a quick little story. One kid actually said, um, and he called me, sir. And I had to correct him, <laughs> but, uh, one of his things, one of his keynotes was, uh, well, I can save money on food. No problem. All I do is spend 200 bucks a month. And right away I looked at him. I'm like thinking I spend 200 bucks in a week, but <laughs> okay. How much, how do you, how are you going to do $200 in a month? And he was like, I just go to Costco and get my iced tea and my Doritos and I'm good. There you go. So, you know. Well, I'm going to say, Gary, I, I first of all love that you're doing financial literacy. I think it's, uh, you know, something that needs to be done. I wish it was part of yeah. what you need to graduate high school, at least in the States. But I do hear you talking about how the kids, you know, you're doing your best to keep them out of trouble, right, from, from yes. making bad decisions. What about investing early? That's something I wish I knew. And, you know, you learn about compound interest over time. And if you can mm-hmm. get invest early when you're 17, 18, 19 you're set when you're 50, right? Yeah, there's yes. always that one kid in high school and if yeah. you had a switched on dad, 16th birthday, you got an yeah. artist. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, like the equivalent in the US, right? And it's a 401k, right? And you kind of like, you, know, you, you look at the compound interest by the time he's 30 or whatever, you know, he's putting 50% down on a house type thing, right? Right. So, but yeah. I guess not, that's a struggle when you're, when you're yeah. at the same time, when you're, you know, struggling to pay university tuition or rent, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle though, but I get it. Absolutely. Um, and, and one of the big things with that is, um, do I wish I had have had that? Yeah, absolutely. I think we um, all do. Yeah. I, I, I started late. A hundred percent. I started much later than, than what most did. You know, really, I didn't probably start until I was about 26 uh, before I started really putting money away for my, my retirement. So, like, I already know that I have to work longer. I have no choice. I'm not I'm not part of that freedom 55. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to be working longer and, and it is what it is. You know, if I want to have retire with roughly the same lifestyle that I have now, I need to work longer, you know? So, but if I was younger, you know, and, and I'm not here to say that, Oh yeah, you have to put 10% and do all this stuff. Look, you put what you can, you know, yeah. everybody always says, Oh no, you have to put 10% or you have to put half of your income. No. We're kids. We all enjoy it. We all grew up in Montreal. We know that on Friday and Saturday night, like, come on, we, you know what? We have to put 10% away for savings. No, no, that 10% is going to be for fun. Right. You know, so um, you do what you can, even $10, like just 10 bucks a month. It'll help, you know, slowly but surely you add it up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, now I have some money to put into, you know, whatever investments I can. Makes sense. Makes sense. So if we give you a couple of scenarios, rapid fire, yeah. just give some quick bullet information. If you had to t- tell these individuals one or two, three things. Okay. Yes. Then, okay. So let's say a young person, as Jeff said, starting university, uh, type person who hasn't historically been good with credit. If it was a 19, like if you go back to the 1990s, Jeff probably owned every record <laughs> and CD uh, membership club, like <laughs> his this left arm. Right? <laughs> Columbia house. That's yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Guess their first credit card and maybe they're, they're, they're managing a student loan. What, what advice would you give? What's uh, the two key things they got to think about, right? Yeah, so they have a bit the, of debt, they have a credit card, yeah. they have a student loan. They're starting university. Yeah, best thing to do, obviously get a job. If you can get a secured credit card, that would help. 
um, because it puts ownership on you. Do your best not to overspend. Uh, You know, we've all been there. I've overspent as well. Uh, When it comes to the student loans, understand that it is good debt. Uh, You're getting an education out of it. You're getting something out of it. You're making yourself employable later on in, in life. So consider it good debt. I like that good debt. I think something else is don't bring your credit card to the bar. That's important. Oh, 100%. 100%. All right, second scenario, Gary. Someone in their 20s, they're doing well, income's rolling in, but they're living in an expensive housing market. Are you sort of persuading them to rent, to buy? Where are you going with them? So kind of both. They can rent, just rent a room and save, Mm -hmm. Um, basically travel, do whatever they want. Or, yes, the possibility of buying a house. Um, yes, the market is high right now, especially here in Ottawa. We're in a bubble. We're really not going to see the decline as the rest of the country. Um, but if we can buy a house and then rent out the rooms, you pay your mortgage. You don't even have to fork out over any money from your own pocket. And it's covered by your roommates. Good stuff. Okay, so Gary, so follow up to that question. This, yeah. uh, Jeff and I are, like, as you know, both in D.C. and in Ottawa. So we got a lot of government fat cats in this <laughs> town, right? So starting their first government job. They're kind of, they maybe I got a defined benefit pension. Uh, I don't need, uh, I don't need uh, to save a 401k or RSP. Is that, is that sound or should they be looking to save somewhere else as well? Um, that's a typical Canadian government employee that we hear on a regular basis. Um, the only thing I could say to them is you honestly think that your job is very secure. It really isn't. Um, and you should start saving regardless. And yeah, or just buy investment properties then if you want to spend your money. I agree, man. Because I, you know, like you look at those defined benefit pensions, you know, I think they'll be around for a little bit longer, but you look at people are living longer and the markets aren't getting the returns. They're not going to be here forever, right? So it's going to be, it's going to become an endangered species for the next generation, I think. So absolutely. Personal opinion. So here's a big one, Gary. Oh, you want to take a break, Todd? No, go ahead. Okay. So here's a big one, Gary. And I think it really hits home to, you know, a lot of people I work with anyways, they're in their early 50s, no retirement savings. I mean, yeah. is it too late? What, what's their option? Work until they're 70? Is, is there an option? So the key thing with that, as I said before, like our demographic at Credit Counseling Society, we're seeing a lot of the 55 plus. Um, it's never too late to save. Mm-hmm. It's just regardless of, you know, can I say, yeah, work till 70? Sure. But let's be realistic. Does anyone really want to work till 70? No, not at all. So work to the 65 and then whatever money you have, that's what you have to play with. Like invest it. And even though you're in their fifties, take the risk, possibly take the risk and, and get more return. You know, don't be afraid to, to, to not take the risk. Um, You know, because of COVID we're actually seeing a lot of that, that demographic where they're basically like, well, I can't retire now because the money's not coming in and the market crashed and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you just have to be patient with it. That's the key. Really. That's the one word when it comes to money is patience. Yeah, that's good. I I have one more question before uh, we move on. Todd might have one more, but I'm, I'm big on wealth front, you know, and acorns automated investment apps that uh, they're available here. I don't know if they are in Canada where you tuck away things and obviously the computer does all your investments for you. And I've been, you know, I've had good success with it. The market's up. What are your thoughts on the automated investment apps? Maybe in, in place of dealing with a human. Yeah. 
So Wealthfront and Acorn, uh, Acorns is, is just American. Yeah. Uh, we have like Wealth Simple and, and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, when it comes to the robo-investing, look, it, it's just a different way of investing. Um, I'm, we're seeing a lot with millennials right now mm-hmm. where they are tech savvy. They basically live in front of their computer. They don't want to talk to people. So this is just a different way of investing. Uh, if you don't have the time to go in and speak to somebody all the time, or if you don't have the time yourself, then by all means do that. Uh, but you still have to be involved. You have to know what's going on in the market. You have to know what's going on with your stuff. Uh, some people I spoke to in the past, it's like, okay, you have all your investments with ETFs or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, well, how are you doing? And most of them are like, I don't know, the guy (laughs) on the computer does it all, you know? So that's where I, I feel like a bit of a disconnect, but I, I'm still a little bit old school where I, I have to go in and speak to somebody. I'd rather talk to somebody and, and see their face, see their facial expressions um, before I make decisions. Good so what's the one, the one or two characteristics, Gary, if someone's going to go get a financial planner or work with a financial, like someone to help them advise them on their finances, professional, what's the one or two, one or two characteristics that are absolutely critical in your mind? Um, go with, for me anyways, I I obviously worked with this person when I was at the bank. So, um, I trust them. I know what he does. I know. So for me, it was a a pretty easy, um, scenario, but my, my two cents on it is look for possibly somebody your age, because if you're looking for, yeah, you know, the people with more wisdom, I guess you could say with the white hair. Yeah. They might have the more, they, they know more. Yes. They know they can make that money, but they're also going to be retiring soon. They're not going to be around forever. So, you know, do I, that's, then I have advice, to yeah. de- that's I actually have to pretty deal. good advice. Yeah. Cause I, that happened to me. I started with yeah. an older guy. He was great, but he, he, he retired five years in, right. You're starting over with someone new and telling, you know, going through the whole yeah, process. You start, all, yeah. you start all over with somebody else and then you don't feel comfortable with that person because they're not doing what you want, you know? And it's like, well, now I'm frustrated and then I have to look for somebody else again. So, Try to find somebody your age. Not, I'm not saying try to find somebody that's just starting out, but certainly your age. And, and don't be afraid to go by word of mouth. And also with financial planners, don't be afraid to like shop around. Good stuff. Good advice. Thanks, Gary. We're going to take a good advice for sure for trying times. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be yep. back with Gary Russell. Good stuff, Gary. All right. We're back, man. So just a reminder, folks, we're back with Gary Russin. If you like the podcast, give us some love on Spotify. Uh, share a promotion on social media. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps get the word out. And we want to be around for a while, so we want to make sure we keep the listeners uh, satisfied, but uh, plentiful. And <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> good first half, Gary. We're going to transition a little bit out of financial education, and we're going to talk. Sure. Uh, a little bit of pop culture, a little bit of sports as well. Yes. So let's start. You've been a long time uh, Green Bay Packers fan. Yes, sir. Did that evolve out of playing for the Packers in Greenfield Park? It did, actually. <laughs> okay. It, it okay. did, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I've never looked back since. Okay, so this year in the draft, uh, <laughs> uh. You, have Aaron Rodgers, you, have, you have Aaron Rodgers signed to 2023. You haven't drafted a receiver in the first round for eons. Uh, not much offensive help. 
Uh, <laughs> this off season, you got a uh, you drafted a tight end that's more of a wide receiver than an actual tight end. You got a CFL receiver who scored ten TDs last year. <laughs> but that being said, you moved up. Uh, Green Bay Packers moved up and uh, took a quarterback. Uh, so, what's your initial thoughts? Frustration. <laughs> Uh, okay. Just sheer frustration. Um, you know, when it comes down to, and I've talked to many people about this, do we need a quarterback of the future? Yes. Do we need to waste the first round pick on him? No, not at, not at all. Um, we, we needed so much more help in the wide receiver side of things. We need to give uh, Adams a chance. Right now, every team knows that they're just going to double team Adams and everyone else can't catch. So, you know rely on on Aaron Rodgers to scramble or something who knows uh, but yeah no we totally dra- uh, drafted the wrong way in that first round but I you know you could have said the same thing when when the Packers had Favre and they drafted Rodgers right maybe history repeats itself you could get lucky here but was love you never know but uh, I still have a bitter sense about me when Rodgers took the job of Brett Favre so because I'm a huge Brett Favre fan, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, was love? I mean, I think Rogers was. You know, although he fell, and uh, San Francisco, you know, like San Francisco 49ers passed over him. All we know the story. All the teams passed over him. Yeah. Green Bay didn't reach for him. I think what everyone's kind of scratching their head is, it, you know, like the Packers made a a reach for yeah, we, love. Yeah, um, we drafted up. And you know, like I, I think in today's NFL, is it realistic? Love's going to sit around for three, four years. Uh, in the wings. Um, so anyway, it's just a bit of a head scratcher, I think. It really mind. is. Yep. Gary, did you go to Green Bay for a game? I did. I went for uh, my 40th birthday. Tell me about it. What was it like? Um, well, I went with Jay Weir, mm. uh, my my good buddy Jay, sure. and uh, I, I I basically blubbered like a little baby. I cried, and it was just such a wonderful thing. Um, being there, arriving there, uh, taking pictures. Um, I, I obviously on game day, it was, I don't know, it was below zero and I wore shorts, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, who doesn't wear shorts to Green Bay? Yeah. So um, when we were walking around, actually all the tailgating right away, they were like, there's no way you're American. You have to be Canadian. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. So right away everybody wanted to start drinking with us so um it was it was such a great experience um the pro shop was absolutely amazing it was like 1800 square feet Mm. and basically i think jay even said he was like i felt like i just had to let you go and i was just going to meet you at the door (laughs) you know whatever in an hour i'm like yeah more or less so yeah it was such a great experience and even um one one big thing is that um you know, I, we did the stadium tour and everything as well. Um, so you got to walk through the tunnel and everything and onto the field. Very uh, cool. But, yeah, but they still have benches, like metal benches as their seats wow. in Green Bay. And the reason why they haven't taken them out is they would lose, I think they said something like 9,000 seats right. if they actually put in actual chairs. So, And because Green Bay is sold out, they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a healthy lower back evaluation tool for guys <laughs> over forty. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you better believe it. And you're and you're standing on concrete, yeah. so the cold was just going. Like if I ever went back, I've now seen what the locals were doing, and they obviously dressed as if it was winter, and they brought cardboard to stand on. Smart. Now, have you been to yeah. other NFL cities, Buffalo or other other places? 
The only other one I went to, I went to New York and I watched uh, the Ravens Giants. Nice. Okay. Okay. And, and yeah. the experience was very different in Green Bay? Yes. Yeah. 10 times different uh, community, people not afraid to say hello to you. And even the yeah. fans were just into the game. Um, there was never, a, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think we sat down. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. So how do you feel uh, packed this year? NFC North? We know the Lions are going to finish last. Uh, <laughs> between Bears, Vikings, and Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Packers, how do you like your chances? Well, our division is always competitive. I, I, you know, I think the Pack can do it, but I think we also need to make a trade or pick up some receiver to help us. Matt Lafleur and uh, Rogers, are you convinced their relationship's good or at least functional? It's functional. Okay. <laughs> We'll but that. we're actually we're running the ball for a change. We've never done that before. <laughs> as a, as a as an O lineman, that's great. That's good. You're encouraged. Yes. Okay. So transitioning to another NFC team, Washington Redskins. Big news this week. Initially, officially announced this week that they're going to be going through the process of reviewing their name, controversial controversial Redskins name. Um, so Dan Snyder finally opening his eyes with everything going on. You used to coach for an organization. The Nepean, well, Nepean Eagles, but they were formerly the Nepean Redskins not that long ago, about five years That's ago, right. they changed their name. Were you there during that process? Uh, I had just started them? with them, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what was the, the mindset back then? Like, was there a lot of resistance from the, uh, the lifelong uh, organizational, you know, people in the organization, or was it a pretty much seamless, seamless process? Uh, a little bit of both. For the most part, the, the higher percentage was certainly seamless, trying to get it done. Um, the biggest change, or I guess you could say some of the biggest expenses was they decided not to do it in a gradual phase. They did it all at once instead of, you know, gradually, okay, we're going to change the name, then the uniforms, then this, then that. They did everything all at once, um, which I think actually worked out better. Yeah, they they ended up spending a lot of money. I think they... For example, here in amateur football, they spent about $250,000 to do that entire transition. A significant piece of change for an amateur football organization. Absolutely. Changing all the helmets, changing all the equipment, the jerseys, etc. They were in debt for a bit. But you know what? In the long run, I think it it worked out better. And, and, you know, the Eagles now fly. And, and, yeah, Nepean is, is quite successful with that name right now. Interesting. Well, you guys obviously know the Redskins are going to be changing their name. Um, Nike yep. stopped selling their gear, and it's become a national yep. national topic. Do you guys have any thoughts or ideas on a new name for the Washington Redskins? I like the uh, the Red Tails, man. The yeah. one after the Tuskegee Airmen, the first Black Pilots. Mm-hmm. It's a good. They can do the same color. The name's similar, and I think you know, like it would be a good a good marketing tool as well. There, and I think it plays pay, plays homage to uh, uh, you know heroes in the armed services community. So. I think that's a pretty good yeah. one. The I, hogs I, too. I heard the hogs yeah, too. The so, hogs. Um, yeah. The hogs are yeah. good. I've heard the renegades, but I do agree with you, Todd. I think the red tails are probably gonna gonna stick, especially in this, you know, in the time. It's it's a great name. And again, they get to keep the color. We'll see where it goes, but I do think the red tails are, are gonna win out. Which yeah, is I think great. you want like I, I heard the Lincolns and it's like okay, as oh, stoic no. as Abraham Lincoln is. You want to stay away from actual individual, individual, you know, individuals, right? Because yeah. history, you know, what you never, whatever, you never know what's going to uncover itself, like years from now, type thing. And you're going to be in, you know, a small chance, but you could predict be in the same type of predicament uh, as you are now, right? So, yeah, a bit better to stay with something that's known. 
Well, while we're on team names, this week, uh, Todd and Gary and myself came up with our top five best team names and our top five worst team names. And you guys want to start? I'll start. All right, go for it. So the top five, man, I think you need a name that's uh, synonymous with the, uh, the community, but also very distinct, right? Like distinct from anything else that uh, any other teams in the league would potentially have. So number five, this is going down from, uh, to the strong, you know, number five to number one, my best one, uh, the Brampton Battalion. So Ontario Hockey League, uh, just again, pays homage to the armed service community. It's got like, you know, the armed forces. Uh, it's got a very distinct logo. It's got like, you know, like a, a battalion member, like with a helmet. So kind of, kind of a cool look. Number four, uh, Vermont Catamounts. So like, kind of like a mountain lion. Um, you know, there's no other like, uh, kind of cat or anything like that. Like, um, and everyone, you say catamounts, everyone knows it's the University of Vermont. Number three, University of California, Santa Barbara, the Gauchos. <laughs> Jim Rome's alma mater. And, uh, you know, you got like a sombrero with like, you know, like the pistol guns there, like a very cool look. Uh, number two, the Raiders, silver and black. Uh, Al Davis, like anywhere you go, the eye patch, uh, it's a keeper. Like for a kid, you know, like any kid who's under the age of 10 who starts liking football, you see that Raiders logo, it's uh, immediately identifiable and, and likable. And number one, and we talk about being tied to the community and kind of representative of uh, who you are. The now, now they're an AHL team, but former NHL team, Hartford Whalers. We got the whale's tail, you know, it says it all. Interesting. Gary, what's your top five? Uh, top five, uh, going from top five to uh, one, I did say the Packers, um, just the community that I saw and uh, even amateur football that, that brought me uh, to that field every day. Just got to keep that name alive. Uh, another one was the Razorbacks. Um, I just really like that name, especially cool with the yeah. with yeah. the Warthog, yeah. um, you know that kind of thing. Being from Montreal, got to stick with the Expos. <laughs> Not going to let that go. So um, I got my opinion on that one, man. It's like you know what, Montreal, <laughs> you hosted a World Fair. Guess what? Fifty other cities did as well. <laughs> like, nothing, nothing remarkable about that, right? <laughs> it's it's just that emblem. It's never going to die, you know. Um, another one, uh, for number two was, uh, when I was playing semi-pro football, they were in the States in Syracuse, the express. Um, I, again, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the uniforms as well as the team name. And they had like a train as their logo kind of thing. And then last but not least, I think one of the top, um, names for me for team names is the mean machine from the longest yard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good wow. one. That's a good one. All right. Well, I well I kept my list to pro teams. I would have probably had a, a wild list if I went to college. But my my top five pro team names. Number five, the iconic New York Yankees. I just think it fits the city. It fits the country. Then oh, it's the pinstripes. Four, the pinstripes. Man, the pinstripes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Number four, Pittsburgh Steelers. Steel Town just sounds great for the city. Love it. New York Giants. Las Vegas Raiders can't go wrong with the eye patch. Raiders are iconic. Al Davis, right? And then the number one team, which I feel fits the community, is the Baltimore Ravens. Raven uh, yeah. is the great poem by Ed- Edgar Allan Poe, who's buried in Baltimore, and I just feel it fits the city so well. So that's a great one. Give me your worst team names, Todd. To me, it's the ones that are, like I said, predicated on – frivolous stuff that any community could have, like the Jets, right? They named the Jets after the fact that uh, the old Chase Stadium was near LaGuardia Airport. Well, guess what? Every city's got an airport. Who cares? 
the Montreal Alouettes used to be the Concords because you know, like uh, Bombardier mm-hmm. and like you know, like in Canada had a, pl- a role in developing the Concord. Uh, who cares? The Olymp- you know, like the Gatineau Olympics <laughs> hockey team. Like, you know, every city's had an Olympic. No one gives a shit. Like, like uh, stuff that you know that's just frivolous. Like it's got to be something really specific. Like you said, Pittsburgh Steelers, the Packers, the meatpacking plant guys, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, it says something that's unique about the uh, the city you're from. Good. You have yep. a worst list, Gary. I certainly do. Right, um, I'm going to go with the Tiger Cats. I, just, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, also, is it Minnesota Gophers? I think mm. it is. Yeah. 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 Gophers, yeah. Like, what the heck? Another one that I can't stand is TCU Horned Frogs. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's pretty lame. Um, the Red Blacks. I mm. hate the name. It's stuck with me now, but I still don't like the name here in Ottawa. And then last but not least, anything Toronto. Anything Toronto. The Raptors. Yeah, agreed. All right, I'm going to give you my worst five. I think these names are just absolutely terrible. Number five, the Washington Wizards. We have a bunch of Wizards (laughs) playing basketball. Number four, I understand the meaning of the name. Cleveland Browns. I understand why it's named the Browns. But the uniforms are terrible, the team's terrible, (laughs) and the name is terrible. Number three, New Orleans Pelicans. Please. Right? (laughs) Number two, Columbus Blue Jackets. We're celebrating Civil War heroes. I'm going to hard yeah. pass on that one. And my worst team name, the Utah Jazz. Yeah, that's that yeah. one. I oh, thought of that one you. too, man. It's like, it's like even the LA Lakers too, right? Like, there's not many yeah, lakes like in the greater Los Angeles area. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, come up with a different name. Like, the Utah Jazz. Like, I, you, know, you picture say, can you picture some Mormon dude with a saxophone? Like, <laughs> 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 Cool. Okay, so last thing, Gary, before we let you yeah. go. You recently put up a post. I thought it was a controversial post. Not a controversial post, but a, uh, an unexpected post praising uh, Hamilton, which you watched for yes. the first time on Disney XD. Yes. Give us your thoughts. Why should I watch this? Well, regardless of, yes, I you know I understand possibly controversial. Um, I, I really just enjoy Broadway shows. Um, it, it's you're just... a lavish, you're a lavish Broadway musical guy. I, I, I am surprisingly, um, but I, I just enjoyed it. Um, I also enjoyed that they did try to modernize it by bringing in the rap and the R and B, um, for the music. And surprisingly, you know, while I was sitting watching it as well, I actually did some research myself on, okay, who is Alexander Hamilton? Who is, you know, why was Lincoln here? And what about Jefferson and all that? So I actually got a little bit of us history involved in, in, in watching it as well. Okay. Real, real Renaissance, me. man. And Todd, have you seen me. it? I have not. I have not. No, I tried. Me, I did. Neither have I. <laughs> it was like 11 o'clock on a Friday night. I tried. I, was, I, did, I, need more, I need a little more caffeine or energy in me there. Like, uh, <laughs> get through it there. You got to put the thinking cap on. You know, but uh, yeah. not hey, a musical so guy, but I'll give it. You give me give it the thumbs up, Gary. I'll give it a second shot. I, there I you might go. Not, I might not give it a first shot, but I respect <laughs> you for doing that. Um, hey, Gary, before we wrap yeah. up, just any recommendations you have for our listeners could be music, what to stream, what to read, anything. Yeah, um, really, right now, uh, one of the big things I'm watching, uh, I, I enjoy F1, um, oh, yeah. f- Formula One. So um, there was a behind the scenes of Formula One on Netflix, which I really enjoyed um, as well. One book that I just started reading, and again, it came from uh, – the Aaron Hernandez uh, story was uh, it's called my life on the line. And it's about cool. the old lineman from the uh, Patriots um, that, uh, you know, did 
end up coming out after his NFL career. And um, so it was, it's just an interesting book and um, understanding the life of, of an old lineman, but also someone that's gay in the NFL as well. Oh, very good. I, I definitely agree with your F1. I watched it as well. Just to throw something along those lines. Have you seen the documentary Senna? Yes. Yeah, fantastic. I have. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. I respect or even the F1. try Ferrari versus Ford as well. That was right. a good movie. Right. Excellent recommendations, yeah. buddy. Good well stuff. Done. And don't forget, Miss Italia delivers to Ottawa. <laughs> how, how does that work? You mentioned that. So for yes. people who don't know Miss Italia Pizza, if like from Montreal, this is old school pizza. It's been around 60 years. Yes. Sauce in the, in the, you know, the crust is made there. It's not frozen crust. Like uh, extremely it, well done. Yeah. How it do drips you, with grease. Yeah, exactly. How do you get that in Ottawa? How's that done? So, yeah, basically what they do is you call them up. They, you say, I want a half cooked pizza no problem and then delivered so what they'll do is they'll wrap the box and everything in aluminum foil and i recently did it we ordered four large pizzas and they deliver <laughs> overnight next day uh via fedex and it was 50 bucks for delivery but we had our miss italia pizza in ottawa <laughs> with, with with benny of course with with benny well, we, we have go. benny now here Gatno, but uh you know, yes. don't stand in you know when a man wants his pizza they'll, they'll find a way right there's a that's right yes good stuff well, fantastic. Great episode. Great catching up with you, Gary. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Good night to all. Bon semaine.